Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Monday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky, and I feel like I have spent the entire day behind this microphone. So because of... Here's here's my day for you, all right? There's uh, obviously a bunch of snow on the ground. I uh, saw video of a bunch of Ole Miss students uh, breaking into the football stadium to have a snowball fight and police breaking that up. I hope like nobody actually got arrested for that. God, that would be lame. But anyway, um, so the students are having fun on campus. We tried to go outside a little bit earlier. It's like 17 degrees, and it's nothing but ice, so... Um, that was a lot of fun. Anyway, so every morning, as I told uh, you guys last week, I do this uh, this new live stream thing. It's been a lot of fun. It's working out nicely. And that's uploaded in podcast form. So I do one podcast in the morning. I do this one a few days a week, and also the radio show in the afternoon in which I do 100% of all the prep work and everything else. Today, we made the de- executive decision afternoon... Uh, that I I simply was not comfortable driving to the studio. I just the the roads are I mean frozen solid. I, I'm not going to uh, to risk my life um, to get to the studio uh, to do to do that radio show. So we pre-recorded some of it. So I woke up, did the live stream, started doing some show prep, decided to pre-record the show. So we recorded the entire radio show, and now I'm sitting down again to do this podcast. I have done nothing but talk, uh, which, you know, I guess as my wife would probably tell you, I do that no matter what anyway, but um, at least, uh, you know, I get paid for for one of the three things I did today. Um, I've done nothing but talk all day. (laughs) So, um, you know, grinding through it, I guess, uh, trying to, uh, to power through. Believe it or not, you can hit a wall when talking about sports. So hopefully I don't do that today, because there's a lot of stuff to get to with you. Like I said, this is the Rebel Report. Welcome in on this snowy Monday. Glad that you're with me. And uh, always, always appreciate you listening and subscribing to the podcast, following me on Twitter at Michael Borky, and on a non-Snowden day, checking out LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Now they're sponsoring NASCAR drivers. Uh, Ole Miss has like some kind of foothold in the NASCAR game. I mean, multiple Ole Miss fans now running uh, in the NASCAR series wearing helmets that look like the football helmet and putting the Mississippi flag on their cars and stuff. It's pretty cool. I had no idea that Ole Miss was so uh, uh, represented in NASCAR, but LB's also is the same. So when the weather clears up and things get back to normal, stop by LB's and see Greg and tell him we sent you. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat right there in Oxford. And Monday through Friday, during the lunch hours, they will do the cooking for you. And it doesn't really get better than that in town. So go by and see Greg. Like I said, tell him we sent you. And let's get started. So, uh, like I said before, these podcasts are going to turn into quick news hitters, more so than like long, drawn-out stuff. But uh, this Jeff Lebby UCF thing finally came to a conclusion today. And it's good news for Ole Miss. Uh, we've been on Lebby Watch. Really, since Josh Heupel left UCF, the 
the first thing that everybody thought of was, well, Jeff Lebby should be a prime candidate for UCF. And uh, apparently there was some heavy support uh, around locally for Jeff Lebby to get that job. Players on the team, even people that worked at the school, wanted um, Jeff Lebby to get that job. And if I were making the hiring at UCF, he definitely would have been on my list, without a doubt. Gus Malzahn, who obviously they ended up hiring, would have also been on my list Possibly the first candidate. I think that UCF uh, is a really good spot for Gus, and I think Gus Malzahn does not get enough credit for coaching in the difficult situation that he dealt with when he was at Auburn. I mean, he beat Nick Saban more than anybody else in his time at Auburn. And I had somebody in my Twitter mentions earlier say uh, he underachieved with elite advantages. And I thought, what does Auburn have that Alabama doesn't? What does Auburn have that, that Georgia doesn't? What does Auburn have that Florida doesn't? Or Texas A&M? Or LSU? You get my point. It's the SEC. Auburn doesn't have any advantages over their rivals, the teams that apparently Gus did not beat enough. He shared a state with the greatest machine that college football has ever seen and beat him more than anybody else, went to a national championship, won an SEC championship, I mean, yes, um, what, the last six years they've lost four games or more, but he's been consistent, he's recruited well, Nick Saban's down the road, I think he's a good coach that doesn't get enough credit, and now he's actually upgrading at quarterback because Gabriel is far better than Bo Nix, and I think it's going to work out there. Less pressure, despite what some TV news guy asked him about at the press conference today, Uh, the guy literally asked him if he was prepared for the pressure cooker, Uh, that is coaching at UCF the guy that was the the head coach at Auburn was asked if he was prepared for the pressure at UCF that is a real thing that a guy that gets paid to report on sports asked Gus Malzahn today but anyway he would have been on my list too I think he would have been a great hire for Tennessee I think UCF made the better hire than Tennessee, if we're being honest. Tennessee needed stability, recruiting, and the ability to compete with Alabama, and Gus Malzahn would have delivered all three. Tennessee's been inconsistent at best. Um, Even when they recruit well, there's a lot of turnover, and they have not been at all competitive with Alabama. I think Gus would have been a great transition through the NCAA trouble into life after Jeremy Pruitt and whatever is coming with life after Jeremy Pruitt. But they didn't ask me. They probably should have, but they didn't. You know, they're too caught up in um, wanting to brain lane home or whatever to really actually think about the status of their program. But nice hire for UCF. Um, Jeff Lebby should have been a candidate. He was a candidate and ultimately did not get that job. And then I, I saw this tweet from Cole Kubelik earlier. And here's what it says. It says the UCF movement picked up steam when a candidate essentially removed himself, attempting to backdoor his way in. Terry, the new athletic director, wasn't having it. Uh, A lot of the quotes in reply seem to think that it was um, uh, Jeff Lebby trying to get UCF players to get his name out there on social media and and stuff like that. That's what uh, a lot of people are trying to say. And what I can't quite figure out um, is how that's a bad thing. Like, people are 
are, are, are mocking Lebby for that. I mean, my goodness, uh, how dare a coach um, ask players who played for him to vouch for him in a coaching search? What, what's wrong with that? Terry wasn't having that. What do you mean he's not having that? A guy who really wants a job that's asking, you know, getting his players to to support him for the job that he wants when they want him to have that job. I, I just I don't understand that. Not taking a shot at Cole. Somebody gave him that information. I just what's wrong with that? What is wrong if this is actually talking about Lebby? It could be Randy Shannon or somebody else. I don't know. But if that's who they're talking about, seeing some of the reaction to that report is kind of weird. Oh my gosh, what a what a jerk for trying his best to get a job that he wants. What a jerk for essentially getting letters of recommendation from his players. I mean, how how dare he? Anyway, I think that I, I just think that's silly to get worked up about that. Especially having that end a guy's candidacy. What do you mean backdoor their way in like that, that just whatever. Uh I think that's silly. But my first thought was, I, you know, I kind of felt bad for the guy. Far be it from me to feel bad for somebody that is, um, his fallback plan is making a million two and coaching a potential Heisman candidate at quarterback and living in Oxford. I mean, as a fallback plan, that uh, that doesn't sound so bad. Um, but based on multiple reports, he really wanted that job. And he should have wanted that job. I would have wanted that job if I were in his position, without a doubt. Uh, I think UCF is it, it's clearly the best group of five job in the country to me, and I think it's better than a lot of Power Five jobs, and I think it's a springboard to something good, and he's been there before. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's a great quarterback, so he would have stepped in with an offense that was ready to explode. I, I would have wanted that job. And after uh, the personal stuff, um, and I, I underselling how impactful it was, I, I really you know was kind of hoping he'd get that job. If it's something that he wanted, I um, think he needs a break. And um, yeah, I was, I was kind of, even though I'd never met him, I was kind of you know disappointed that he didn't get that job because he seems like a decent enough dude who's kind of been through some stuff lately and um, I was hoping it would work out for him. But two things, silver lining. One, um, I think he'll get a head coaching job after this season. Because I think that offense is going to be just as good. I, I mean, there's no reason not to think that. He's got a high-level quarterback that um, the previous coaching staff at Ole Miss didn't think was good enough to even start. But, you know, that's a conversation we'd, we've had a bunch. It was That says more about the coaches than it does the quarterback. But anyway, um, nationally, he doesn't get enough credit for how good that offense was. Everybody just kind of points to Kiffin. No, there was – the fingers are pointing – exclusively in, in one direction, and it shouldn't be. He's a great offensive mind. I think another year like this, and he's going to be in line for uh, maybe even bigger jobs than UCF. I mean, the coaching carousel is going to keep on turning. Maybe uh, Jeff Levy will will get his name in some of those. I think this is probably his last year because I think a head coaching job is going to come for him, and that's a good thing. But it's a great thing for Ole Miss, too. Continuity is the biggest thing to me. Continuity. Matt Corral has not had it. Uh, I mean, he, senior year in high school, had obviously a different offensive coordinator than his true freshman year in college, though he redshirted, and that was Phil Longo, and then he has to deal with Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez and whatever, whatever that is. 
as a redshirt freshman, and it didn't go well because how could it have? And then he gets a different offense this year, and it actually works for him, and the system actually makes sense and fits his skill set, and he explodes. And then to have that have to be reset again would have been really frustrating. I mean, that's the biggest winner here to me is Matt Corral. Um, of course, I mean Ole Miss in general, but Matt Corral's the biggest winner here. That kid was dealt a bad hand because of bad offense and bad hire after he got to Ole Miss and was dealt a really crummy hand, especially the way it was handled last year. And then for him to to get Lebby in and run an offense that makes sense and him explode and then that to end, I just that would have stunk. And so I'm I'm happy for him getting another year in that offense. But, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. It's a big deal. It is a really, really, really big deal to have Jeff Lebby returning to Ole Miss for one more year, which I think will be his last year. But it's a really big deal to have him back. And so you got that official word today. Gus heading off to UCF. Uh, Good for him. I think he's going to win there. Good for Ole Miss because you get Lebby for another year. Good for Matt Corral because he finally gets some continuity. I think Ole Miss is going to be extremely explosive offensively and a lot of that has to do with um, Jeff Lebby and the guys that they have returning sorry lost my train of thought there for a second can't you tell I've been doing this for too long today (laughs) Uh, but that's really good stuff so great news uh, on that front for Ole Miss there's no other way to spin it that's really 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 good news and um if you find yourself feeling bad for Jeff Lebby like I did, just know that his fallback plan, like I said, is a million two or whatever it is, and living in Oxford, coaching a Heisman contender at quarterback. It could be a hell of a lot worse for that dude. It really could. So good stuff there for Ole Miss. Speaking of good stuff, they get a win in basketball. Another one. They're fourth in a row over South Carolina. They beat them by uh, seven. It should have been worse, but Ole Miss missed a lot of free throws down the stretch, and Before I tell you what this game means, it bears repeating. It's something that I complain about a lot, but I feel like a lot of you agree with this. Um, The SEC office, Greg Sankey and whoever is in charge of officiating and making these kind of decisions, need to sit down and watch the replay of the Ole Miss and South Carolina game. And they need to decide if that's how they want to present their product to their market. Because, no, South Carolina is not a very good team, and, and Ole Miss isn't a very, they're not a great team either. It was always going to be kind of a clunky game. But when the teams shoot 73 combined free throws, and there are 46 fouls called in the game, that's not on the teams being bad. And it, you guys watched the game. You saw it. it. It had nothing to do with the teams playing poorly. If an Ole Miss player or South Carolina breathed on the other, a foul was called. There is times in basketball where if there's just a little bit of contact somewhere along the way, you don't have to blow the whistle. They need to sit down and watch that game and decide whether or not a game that featured again. South Carolina shot 29 free throws, and Ole Miss shot more free throws than minutes in the game at 44. They need to sit down and decide if this is how they want to present their product. Because if they are accepting of this, which they have been so far, if they accept this, if this is something that they're okay with, then you're never going to get basketball 
in the South take off the way they want it to. You're just you're you're not going to get people to care around here if that's the product you're putting on the floor. I mean that that was embarrassing on an on an officiating crew letting that allowing that to happen is um, you're setting yourself up for failure. That game that it was impossible to develop any flow. It was the wor- one of the worst basketball games I've ever watched. Seriously, one of the worst. And they need to decide if this is acceptable. But Ole Miss does get the win. I mean, just another night where they out-efforted their opponent. They got to the line. They played physical. Shuler was excellent. And his return home, basically, to South Carolina. Uh, Romello White stayed out of foul trouble for the most part. He had four in the game, but he got to play 33 minutes and put up 14 points. Um, If Shuler keeps playing like this and you keep getting production from Romello White, Ole Miss can keep on this run and sneak their way into the tournament. Um, I cannot believe I'm saying that sentence out loud, but man, what a turnaround for that team. And a really good opportunity, if if it's allowed to happen. So they weren't going to play a game in the middle of the week. It was supposed to be just Mississippi State on Saturday because of schedule shuffling and stuff earlier in the season. Ole Miss was supposed to be off this week. They did add a game with LSU returning to Ole Miss because LSU is missing a a road game and Ole Miss is missing a home game, so they just are making LSU go back. If that can happen, and that's up in the air with weather and and all that stuff, um, a good opportunity for Ole Miss because the win over South Carolina didn't really do anything. Um, I wonder if you guys can hear that. Sorry if you can. Um, A good opportunity for Ole Miss uh, to play a game in which there's a little margin for error. They couldn't lose to South Carolina on Saturday. A win got them nowhere. A loss would have really set them back. LSU on Wednesday, I think you can lose. You know, there's not much margin for error, but it's not a must-win. It's an opportunity game for Ole Miss. Uh, LSU and Missouri are opportunity games to to get themselves on the right side of the bubble. So this is a gift from the SEC office if the game can be played because of weather. I think it's a gift because it gives you an opportunity to get one of these important wins that will set you apart from the other teams on the bubble with similar metrics than yours. So be thankful. Uh, to the SEC office for setting this up because it gives you a chance to get one of those wins. Um, Which is important, obviously. I mean, breaking news there. It's important to get quality wins when you're trying to make a run at the NCAA tournament. But it is. I mean, there's not margin for error when they play Mississippi State on Saturday, who has just completely quit on Ben Halland. Same thing with Vanderbilt. I mean, even Kentucky is in this boat. But, man... I mean, they have played themselves back into meaningful basketball, and that is um, its pretty remarkable. I, I had no expectation for them when it came to this. I had just absolutely no expectation for this whatsoever. I mean, you guys heard me ripping on this team, and they deserved it. And all they did was put their head down, heads down and, and go back to work and go to work and go to work and they faced some adversity, and they didn't let it destroy their, their work ethic and now look at them. They're playing meaningful basketball. This game, if it can get played on Wednesday against LSU, is is big time. And it's a shame that the arena can't be like that. Um, only a few hundred people can be at the game. But a few thousand people can pack into the arena in downtown Jackson to go to a country concert. It's crazy how uh, this virus is so smart 
that it that it hates country music, but just loves basketball. It's crazy how that works out. I know there's been some plea. I think Kermit or, or somebody did it publicly, um, asking to increase the order. And uh, there's some hypocrisy in it. We got to see it on Friday night for sure. So maybe they'll uh, come to their senses and um, be more consistent. But uh, we're talking about politicians here, so it's an exercise in futility. Anyway, so good news for Ole Miss. Jeff Lebby going to return next year. I mean, he did just get a, a raise and a contract extension, so good for him on that. And then Ole Miss basketball playing meaningful games. They get uh, an opportunity added to the schedule with, L- with LSU, and they're just playing really good, hard basketball right now. And uh, it's just really, really impressive what they've been able to do. So uh, enjoy your snow or ice or whatever the heck it is. It's um, actually pretty pretty brutal <laughs> where I sit right now. So try to be safe. Good luck, and I'll uh, talk to you guys again later this week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.